Matthew 5:45 and 48 that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called Called to Perfection. The Perfection of the Heavenly Father his natural characteristics as we are born from God when we begin to grow in spirit by a total form of sanctification with the goal of dedicating yourself to the Lord's service a total form of dedication then we transform into his image and we begin to see characteristics of our Heavenly Father. This commandment is the inheritance of the saints of all times, and the commandment is addressed by Christ strictly to His students. Therefore, people who do not acknowledge over themselves the authority of a person that is sent by God has never had any part to the inheritance that is contained in this commandment and is doubtful that they will ever be able to. Unfortunately, I will say that it is rare that there are services on earth today that have a theocratical form of format within the within the body itself within the church unfortunately it's a democratic format and can saints that are in these structures be saved it says in scripture the lord knows how to save those who fear him every one of these churches even even in the synagogues of satan there is a small group of people that ended up there to bring salt and maybe uh, help some, uh, some of others get saved. Some end up there because of ignorance and the Lord knows how to save. Of course, these people will be saved. You, it's written, you live where the throne of Satan is and you the throne of Satan is and but you have a few men who will walk with me the Lord says and so there are some people there that will receive salvation as it relates to fulfilling this commanding order to be vigilant over the word of God within our heart as God is vigilant over his spoken word within the temple of our body the Lord is vigilant within the temple of our body. He's not vigilant somewhere abstractly. His word is addressed. It's not addressed just to the earth or just to heaven. It is addressed to man. And in man does God is God vigilant over his words. We stop to study the question, what specific goals does the righteousness of God pursue that we are collaborating with within our heart? God is vigilant where His truth is, the truth concealed in the heart and the Holy Spirit that reveals the meaning of this truth, where His order is within the body of a person as well as out of His body, which is in the church where He is. 
And so we've been studying the righteousness of God within our heart received by us in the two broken tablets of the covenant where we in the death of the Lord Jesus died by the law for the law so that in the new tablets of the covenant symbolizing the resurrection of Christ we can receive justification so that we can live for the one that died for us and resurrected so that in this way we obtain confirmation of salvation in new tablets of the covenant symbolizing the resurrection of Christ so that we can provide God with the proper foundation to give us the promise to be heirs of peace, not by the past law, but by the righteousness of faith, like how he gave this promise to Abraham or his seed. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith, Romans 4.13. We are studying the fourth month. In the fourth month, the uh, tree of life bears fruit. And so in the fourth month, they celebrated the feast, the breaking of the tablets of Moses. And in these broken tablets of the covenant is Christ dying for his church. And if we, by the law, in the body of Christ, die for the law, then we resurrect with him so that in the the new tablets of the covenant, we can be delivered from the guard of the law. Therefore, the covenant of peace in the heart of a warrior in prayer is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God that is spoken by his delegated one. God's faith is information that comes from hearing the word of God. Faith is from hearing. Faith is are not feelings. This is not what I feel. This is what I know. My feelings may experience hell, but if I know who God is for me, what He's done for me, who I am to Him, then I begin to celebrate and I begin to proclaim the resurrection that is within my hell, within that is within our body, because hell within our body is the old person governing sin that we have received genetically from our fathers. And so God's faith is the general He's the commander, and my faith is the soldier that obeys and is humble and immediately ready to fulfill God's words. And so by what signs do we examine ourselves that the peace of God rules within our heart, which identifies us as the sons of God and as the most holy? We know that to examine our heart as to whether the peace of God is governing in it is possible by the ability to be a peacemaker. This characterizes us as the sons of God, as it is written, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Matthew 5, 9. This is written in many other places of scripture, in parables and law and the law. Blessed are peacemakers. To be able to perform peace, you need to have peace inside of you. It is necessary that your heart be clothed into this peace. And this peace is not the seed of justification we receive, but the fruit of righteousness. Abraham inherited this peace because of the righteousness, not because he received justification, but because he bore fruits of righteousness. And God made an eternal covenant of peace with him, making him the father of all who believe. Six signs by which we need to judge of our belonging to the sons of peace has already been the subject of our study, and we stop to study the seventh. 
There are actually many of these signs, but we have been, uh, we've limited ourselves to seven of them. This seventh sign by which we need to judge that we are part Part, uh, we are a part of the Sons of Peace is our ability to clothe our essence into the holy or the selective love of God. When it is already within my heart and I clothe it, my body, by the confessions of our ma- my mouth, when I confess this love of God, I clothe myself into this love of God. But I confess it in how I am with my neighbors. It's not that you tell your neighbor, I love you, because the scriptures say, if you love, then do the work, the works. Jesus, if you remember, the disciples said, we love you, uh, Lord. And they said, if you do, then follow my commandments. If I love my neighbor, then I will uh, respect his authority. And if I hear any negative information about him, I will... Do I will cover him with myself. I will not spread the negative information I heard. I will pray about my neighbor to destroy the works of the devil in his life and so that he can be, again, placed upon the path of truth, the righteousness. If one has offended me, I will be considered still of this person because it's a mistake he makes. And so, our behavior toward our neighbor clothes us into God's love because our words that we express when we state them, we clothe ourselves into God's love. But above all these things, put on love. That is the love agape, not human love, tolerant, egotistical, but the love of God agape which is the bond of perfection and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful and so the peace of God can rule in our hearts upon the condition that we will clothe ourselves into God's love the love of God is not given to us in the form of fruit it is poured into our heart by the seed of the preached word upon the condition that our soil is cleansed from dead works this is the seed of the kingdom of heaven it finds its place in our soil and begins to grow and it is necessary for us to watch after it and water it until it is grown into the tree of the kingdom of heaven or the tree of life that will bear fruits 12 times a year every month bearing its own fruit its own specific fruit and so in the fourth month the symbol of the fruit is that we died by the by the law for the law in the broken tablets of the covenant so we can live for the one who died and resurrected in the new tablets of the covenant in scripture the holy or selective love of God agape is presented in scripture by the Holy Spirit in the light of seven unchanging virtues or components by the preached word of the apostles and prophets that in essence are the unchanging virtues of the qualities of God or opens up the heart of the Heavenly Father. What qualities does the Heavenly Father have? This is first virtue or goodness, goodness in in the greatest form of the word. Because in the world, uh, world the understanding of goodness 
There's no identification like this, because what's good for one will be evil for another. <clears throat> what is freedom for one will be the chains of darkness for the other. If there's liberty to homosexuals and lesbians and, and transgenders, that means that no one else has liberty except them, because they, if you want for them to be free, then you won't be free. The freedom of a person uh, stops when he comes in contact with the freedom of another. If it's different from yours, then there's a conflict. And what is freedom then? How can you identify it? It's a relative thing, and no one in the world will be able to tell you what true freedom means. Even Christians, when they say we're free in Christ, they don't understand what it means to be free in Christ. To be free in Christ is to be free from sin or to die by the law, for the law, in the body of Jesus Christ for governing sin. This is what it means to be in freedom, to be in liberty, to become a servant of righteousness. There is no uh, freedom as it is se separate, a separate freedom as it were, liberty, we have the ability, we have the right to choose who we want to be servant to, either servants of righteousness or servants of sin. There's no third option. And so you can't just be free. There's, I have a freedom in you to choose, to choose who we, who we are to serve, either a servant of righteousness or servant of, of sin. This is why freedom is given. God has given a person the ability to choose. God said, "Here, uh, here, all the of all the trees you can eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you will not eat. In the day in which you eat it, you will die." A person has a choice. He can eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and he and he cannot eat of it also. And so if he eats of it, he becomes a slave of sin. If he eats of the tree of life, he becomes a slave of righteousness or servant of righteousness. Here's the kind of freedom we have. And so Jesus said in his time to those who, Jews who believed in him, if the truth will not make them free, they will never be free. Because the truth of the word makes a person free. When, when I accept it, when I make the decision to be a servant of this truth, to be a servant of righteousness, when I present my bodies, members of my body, as servants of righteousness, this is what good is. Good is freedom and the ability to choose, the freedom to choose, to be a servant of righteousness, because the other side is evil. Good comes from God. Evil comes from the fallen cherubim. What do we choose? When we choose good, from it comes knowledge. How do I determine that I have good? Because knowledge will come from that. From knowledge, self-control. From self-control, perseverance. From perseverance, godliness. From godliness, brotherly kindness. And from brotherly kindness, love. Second Peter 1, 2 through 8. All of these components together united they're united and all of them 
are in balance with one another. They support one the other, and they come one from the other, and they confirm the truthful nature of the other. In a specific format of the seven given characteristics of virtue that united identify the goodness of God within our heart, we need to demonstrate these in our faith and grow them in our faith, in our obedience to God's faith. And they together, united, identify within our heart again the goodness of God. We have already studied five characteristics and have been studying the sixth. This is the calling to demonstrate the love of God, agape and brotherly love. Having this great and noble component in demonstrating brotherly love in our faith moves us from the state literally moves us from the state of eternal death into the state of eternal life. While a person hasn't doesn't make the decision and after that decision he doesn't fulfill the right conditions, he can't pass from death to life. Even though a person is born from God, he's a child of God, he is an infant, he is still in death. He's in the state of death. Just as Adam, when God created him, he told him, make a choice. And until you choose, your state is neutral and you are in death until you make the choice to refuse it or to reject it. And the scriptures say, we know, not we feel, we know, and knowledge comes from information. It's not because of something I feel, but something I know. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. We need to know how to love and we need to differentiate a brother within your midst from a person who is lawless, who is carnal, one who is not pure. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. 1 John 3, 14, 15. I won't elaborate further on who a neighbor is because you already know this. Relevant to this, as with the previous components of the virtue of God and His unique for us goodness, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith in the seven characteristics, characteristics of virtue, it is necessary for us to answer four classical questions. What do the scriptures say about the power of brotherly love which we are called to demonstrate in our faith? What purpose is the power of brotherly love called to fulfill, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith? What conditions do we need to fulfill so that we can receive the power to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith and in a specific format? We already looked at these three questions and have been studying question four. By what signs do we examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating brotherly love in our faith? And we already studied five signs in the previous service by which we can judge that we are demonstrating the power of brotherly love in our faith and stop to study the sixth sign. This is by our ability to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And I will note here where it says be anxious for nothing, then that means don't be anxious for things that are in the in the world, uh, things you can feel, that you can taste, uh, physical things of the world. In other places, 
uh, it does talk about what we should be anxious for. We should be anxious for our for our, a relationship with God to follow His commandments. These are things we should be anxious for, in in that form, in the format of things. But we should not worry about what to eat, what to what to drink, what to wear. And the Lord says, "Don't worry about these things. Worry about obtaining the kingdom of heaven and its power inside of yourself." Because the kingdom of of God is within you, it says. That's your prerogative. And and, and my prerogative, God says, I will take care of your well-being. And the Lord says, when I take care of your well-being, materialistic, that doesn't mean I will make you a millionaire, billionaire. That means I will give you what, what you need so you not be hungry and you will be clothed. And not clothing maybe that you want, but clothing I want you to wear. You will clothe yourself uh, within uh, the limits that you have within the in your wallet. We need to see what means we have and what store we actually need to shop at. People who have a little money go into these prestige stores and prestigious stores and see clothing that's very expensive, they look at it and their eyes light up and they take a credit card and they buy this clothing. Ask wisdom from God. Go to an outlet and you may actually find clothing that's just the same, that's usually two or three thousand dollars and you go pay fifteen dollars for it. And so clothing that's in maybe more affordable stores and clothing from sometimes more expensive stores may be almost the same, it's just the labels are different. So just be wise in how you, how you do that. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that Abraham received because he grew in himself this peace. You have to grow this peace. Which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This is Philippians 4, uh, 5-7. We have noted that in the given place of Scripture, the character of the fruit of the Spirit and the quality of gentleness by the means of which we are called to discipline our tongue by the truth that is concealed within our heart is not the one that's written in Scripture but what's concealed within our heart, the truth that we received in the form of a seed and grew into fruit because a gentle tongue is a tree of life. This is already the fruit. You can't discipline yourself with the seed. You need to discipline yourself uh, with the fruit that you bore. For seed to fall into our heart, you need to cleanse your heart from dead works first. Die for your nation, the house of your father, and your destructive desires. How? Die by with the, uh, in the body of the Lord Jesus, and so you say how you do this uh, upon practice. Count yourself dead to sin, living for God. Proclaim the not existent liberty from sin, freedom from sin as existing. And so, when we are called to discipline our mouth with the truth that is concealed within our heart. 
And so this quality is uh, contrary to the character of the work of the flesh that reveals itself in quality of disobedience to the truth or not believing of the truth. And so uh, you hear people say, well, if it, I have no noise uh, jingling of coins in my pocket, I won't, I won't be saying that I have something until I hear it. But the scriptures say, Apostle Paul says that we don't have it, but we possess all things of the world. Can you may not have maybe physically anything in your hand, but all your money can be within a bank of Sweden, for example. You can drive a cheap car and uh, and dry, and wear very simple clothing and be a multi-millionaire. But a poor person will instead t- uh, try to buy expensive cars and expensive clothing, try to try to get these things. And when he sees you, he won't even think that you're a multimillionaire. I'm not saying we need to behave this way. I'm saying we need to behave within the means that God gives us. I'm talking about the opposite of uh, and the, what's contrary to this, how they are one... Uh, different from the other. We have works of the flesh and works of the spirit and how they need to, how they contradict with one another. And so, if we don't no longer carry within ourselves works of the flesh, then we will become uh, more and more contrary to those who do carry these in themselves. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. If something is uh, showing, that doesn't mean everything will show itself uh, very evidently. But if a person finds this in himself, then these are works of the flesh. Then you need to count yourself dead to them and proclaim the non-existent freedom from these works of the flesh as existent. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in past time, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God if they don't count themselves dead to sin and living free from this. And so he says, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. The law cannot uh, discover or reveal any sin that isn't there. Why do we need the law? The law is to reveal the sin and give power to that sin. And he comes and there's no sin there. And then the law can't be a guard over you and be your master because the law judges. This is the service of condemnation. And as it says, against such there is no law and those who are Christ's have crucified Those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Galatians 5, 19 through 24. 
Practically the ability of a gentle or meek person to not be anxious about anything when it comes to his well-being on earth is contrary to the anxieties of man who is not able to discipline the works of the flesh because of the absence of the bridle of gentleness. Proverbs 15.4, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. And so when people read the Bible saying that the tree of life grows on the one and other side of the bank and bears fruit 12 times a year and they they always think about such a paradise where such a tree of life will be not understanding that they need to grow that tree and from the uh, wholesome tongue is a tree of life when you speak and the words a person speaks uh, with a gentle it's a gentle tongue and so we demonstrate God's words and demonstrating them they become our food and our clothing our spiritual clothing Anxiety leading to the breaking of the spirit independent of the death of the Lord Jesus are genetic bonds of the fear of a man that a person is bound with who has not grown the fruit of gentleness in the soil of their good heart with which he is called to discipline his mouth by which he can judge that he is demonstrating the power of brotherly love in his faith. Therefore, anxiety that a person is bound by who receives salvation in the seat of justification is a result of his hard heart. Again, anxiety that he is bound by, he receives salvation from the seat of justification. As a, If he is bound by this anxiety, his heart is not cleansed from dead works. If his heart is not cleansed from dead works, the seed that is planted there, it, it will not grow. And so count, counting himself dead to sin, living for God, and proclaiming that he is free from sin, then the tree would be growing, the fruit would be growing inside from the seed. But because he received this uh, salvation in the seed of justification, but not in the soil that he needed to put in into, not the quality of soil, that this is a result of his hard heart, which is identical to something occult, that is contrary to the liberty of Christ, which is contained in the truth of the preached to him word, called to deliver us from the slavery of sin. Such anxiety is testimony of the absence of the fruit of gentleness or the fruit of meekness in the spirit of a man, which indicates the bad soil in his heart, which he refused to clean from dead works so he can receive and grow the fruit of gentleness in the good soil of his heart. And the most striking is that this anxiety is considered by men of the flesh to be a specific form of spirituality. You need to think about... And so people teach, uh, saying, you need to think about how much you want to earn this year. Because thoughts, they say, materialize. You need to meditate about how much money you want to make this year. And so... If you have need in something, that means you are bound with spirits of poverty. That's what they say. That's how they teach. You need to be free from the spirit of poverty. We need to destroy the works of the devil, they're telling him. Think and think and meditate about the wealth that you need to earn this year, and it will open up for you. When I spoke with such people, I told you once before, one of them, I told them, okay, imagine you decide that this year you you start uh, conservatively and you say you want to earn a million dollars 
But what if God decided that you should get $5 million, but you're only focused on a $1 million goal? What are you going to do then? You have a problem. What does this say? Before you think, you need to have a revelation about what you need to think about. God will never give a revelation about materialistic things. That's the thing. He gives a revelation about His truth. We've already heard the life of a person does not depend on how much he has possession-wise. Why will God give such a revelation? What if God wanted you to make 500,000 instead of a million? Then in the one and other situation, you will be resisting God's will You, when you're trying to earn your million thinking it's God's will that what I what the goal I, I have what I want uh, but it's, it needs to not be what I want but what God wants God wants us to be rich in faith and so this uh, so-called spirituality that will be free from poverty this this is all, these teachings are, are false and deceptive avoid them you can clearly see this when you compare the definition of these two words which are contrary to one another contrary in character and origin preoccupation or cares demonstrated in anxiety is disobedience to the preached word of truth this is unbelief or disobedience to the faith of God this is an undisciplined tongue by the bonds of gentleness because in the heart there's no truth that a person would have concealed in him so that he can discipline his tongue because we can discipline the tongue only by that gentleness that is within our heart if we have a gentle heart then we then our gentle heart will demonstrate itself in a gentle mouth or meek mouth something occult a hard heart a net of the evil one the path to death people don't even understand that when they meditate about materialistic things that they've fallen into the nets of the evil one i remember when we would read the books of yonggi cho he said he said about himself that he was pregnant with a bike a table and a chair and he said i did receive all of these sermons were about come and I saw these churches come to us you will have healing you will have this this and this and this and I said come here you will have a lot of sorrows come here to become a warrior in prayer and fight for your body so you can deliver it from this power of governing sin to be able to re- uh, adopt it by the redemption of Christ I am not ever talking about materialistic things you don't need to promise people materialistic things or a materialistic well-being allow them to find Christ the true Christ and they will be the most joyous people they will not worry about things of the world if they have the true Christ they will be so happy that every one of them will be content with what he has gentleness that reveals itself this is contrary to anxiety that reveals itself gentleness that reveals itself in a disciplined tongue is the tree of life that is grown in the soil of a good heart the obedience of our faith to God's faith this is wisdom strength firmness and power of the spirit 
trust upon God in mercy and compassion for your neighbor, the nets of the kingdom of heaven that we have caught ourselves into, confessing and stating what is not existent as existent. We have placed in our heart the word that we are free from sin and began to confess that we are truly free from sin. And these are nets that we ourselves have caught ourselves into. It says that the the spider, he grasps with his feet and he sometimes ends up in the courts of of the king. He comes to this uh, to the fortress or the or the house of a king and he he sits near the door and as soon as he feels this gap of air that uh, he he takes that opportunity and is pulled in with the current that of of air uh, into the into the courts of the king and so we need to confess confess and confess what the scriptures say not what i want what god wants Anxiety in demonstrating disobedience to the order contained in the body of Christ members a person to the category of lawless men who resist the truth of the preached word and try to clothe the works of the flesh into garments of an outward appearance of godliness. At the same time, the gentleness of the heart, which makes itself known in a gentle or meek mouth, is an identification of the fruit of the Spirit, testifying of the presence of the grown tree of life within the spirit of a person. Again, I will read this place. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the Spirit. Proverbs 15.4 This is the tree of life that we have grown from the seed of justification into the fruits of righteousness. We have grown from the seed of salvation and have it has become our own. Salvation has become our own. I will say this and I repeat it and I will repeat always if so that someone will who may need to can hear it when we receive salvation in the format of a seed it does not give us salvation it is not does not give us the right to be saved as it were as you get put forth a down payment or put money down that doesn't mean that this house or this car is yours or, or is your own owner of this house or car it is not yet yours when you bring in the rest of the amount you owe and you pay the full price for that house or car then will you be owner of this house or car it is the same thing here salvation is given in the format of a guarantee and it is given to us to give it told said to our spirit now save your soul in your body if you won't save your soul in your body you will perish together with your soul and body you will perish and so save your souls and your bodies as it states here the presence of the fruit of gentleness in in a man is testimony that this person is clothed into the virtue of a student of Christ which gives him the ability to resist the words which come from his personal flesh this is so that he can open his mouth and confess the faith of God that abides within his heart Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Yoke is, these are, these uh, bridle of gentleness. I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 Learn from me. This means that... As I learned to be gentle from my father, you learn from me. I have become gentle or meek because I learned from my father, because my father is gentle. 
the gentleness of the Heavenly Father is that He behaves within the boundaries of the word that He says. He is disciplined by the words of His own mouth. He states something and He fulfills what He says. He's not going to fulfill what man wants, what a person may offer, but He will fulfill what He has said. And so, as soon as God says something, He immediately disciplines Himself with His words. He is within the boundaries of that word. He is a voluntary servant of that word. He is rejoicing that He is a voluntary servant of His words. But who, who are they addressed to, these words? These words are erected within our body and he becomes a servant in the temple of our body of his word he is a he disciplines himself and this is his gentle heart jesus said learn from me as i have learned from my father discipline your emotion at the same time the presence of anxiety within the soul of man is testimony revealing the works of the flesh that is in this man and it is from such people that you should turn away so that we do not waste what we have been working on so that we can inherit the kingdom of heaven in the fruit of the tree of life which is grown by us in the Eden of our heart but note this that in the last days perilous times will come he is saying what will happen in the church itself in the midst of Jerusalem for men will be lovers of themselves lovers of money boasters proud blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. That is, they will, uh, they will be, uh, literally love uh, sex more than God having a form of godliness but denying its power and from such people turn away 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5 that doesn't mean God is against sex he created this but that doesn't mean that we need to love it this sharp feelings within yourself the, the experiences you have inside above him we need to rise above that emotion so much that he is all in all for us he is greater than even this emotion. We read what the, what this is. These are the characteristics of the anxious people who refuse to acknowledge that they are bound by chains of their corrupt desires. They are bound, but they refuse. They deny that fact that they're bound by these corrupt desires. They are clothed into garments of pseudo-godliness. So they not lose their importance or their ego in their own eyes and of course those that are around them. And to test ourselves on the presence of gentleness within ourselves which demonstrates itself in our trust upon God and upon His word in waiting for the salvation of our body to come to pass, we paid attention to one phrase by which we differentiate gentleness from undiscipline and wisdom from stupidity. Because gentleness, it is wise. But being undisciplined is stupidity. This is by our ability to make our requests known to God in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving upon the condition that the essence of this request is the will of God. 
when the desires of God become our desires, then everything that we ask according to His will, we will receive. And as it is according to His will, then it is already placed upon our account, and for a price it's paid. And so we thank God that we have it in Jesus Christ, and we say, Lord, may it be according to your word, uh, for your servant. May the Lord uh, be merciful to me, because what you're ask- what I'm asking for is upon my, uh, my account, and when I ask according to your will, then I can take from my account. But I also need to understand at this time that this doesn't mean that I set it and I immediately receive it. Often it is that parents say, I put all of my my savings, uh, I pretty much all of my savings will go over to you when I pass away. And so you will receive these savings, you will receive these uh, this money once you grow up and when you complete and it's either college or and you get married and when you bear a son that will be inheriting all of this then can you will you get access to this wealth it was the same god did the same thing until we bear our methuselah that drives away death within our body until we bear fruits we will not be able to possess what is upon our account or have it that doesn't mean we can't thank God for them we need to thank God for it because according to his mercy God sometimes can fulfill uh, needed things that we sometimes truly need we can't immediately take at all we have to be grown into full measure of growth in Christ but as children the me- within the measure of what we, we, we have and what we need we may receive some things to make your request known to God in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving upon the condition that the essence of this request is the will of God let us look at how this phrase sounds in the original in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God and a more accurate version of this place will sound something like this in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving Open up your desire to fulfill God's will. Not your will, but God's will. Because it's talking here about God's desires, which contains our purpose and our calling. Thanksgiving for the promise which is placed by God upon our account in Jesus Christ, which we have concealed within our heart so that we can fulfill the will of God which contains our calling, is a format of such praise where we are obeying our faith to God's faith, count ourselves dead to sin and living for God, proclaiming that non-existent stronghold of incorruption in our physical body as existent. It is specifically by the presence of a thankful heart with thanksgiving, opening up your desire to God in prayer to fulfill the will of God is how we determine that we have in ourselves the existence of the fruits of gentleness. To bring an offering of praise to God means count yourself dead to sin, living for God, proclaiming the non-existent inheritance of Christ as existent. That it is already there and it is already placed upon our account. Where is this bank? Where this money is? This is my heart, that where these promises are concealed, this is my bank. And this bank is connected to the heavenly bank. Because between my heart 
and between the temple where we are and the heavens there is there is a balance just as God abides in heaven he abides within our midst and he abides in us as well to bring an offering of praise to God whoever offers praise glorifies me and to him who orders his conduct aright I will show the salvation of God Psalm 50.23 and so uh, offering is a loss of something and so when praise becomes an offering only then can it honor God whoever offers praise glorifies me when it comes to God showing his salvation to man means to become the guarantor that his purpose will be fulfilled from the waiting for him and and pursuing him enemy in the given promise God has taken responsibility for making our salvation a reality upon the condition that we will honor him with offerings of praise and that we will be prudent in our way or we will examine our ways to see how much it satisfies the requirements of the ways of God or the ways of righteousness and so that the offering of praise would honor God it is necessary that it satisfy the demands of an acceptable to God offering sometimes an offering can be but it's not acceptable to God because either the altar is not sanctified or the offering is not being brought in accordance to the requirement and so in this offering a person needs to present his evidence to God that he has the right to bring this offering of praise he needs to prove that he's a priest that he's a king and a priest that he's not an infant that is attracted by various winds of doctrine if he's an infant that is attracted by various winds and he thinks and should uh, that you can and you should listen to various uh, preachers and they hang the even at some churches uh, different uh, pictures of different people uh, preachers that you should pray for all of them you need to pray for the apostle that feeds you with spiritual food he's not going to give you food through all of the apostles he's going to give it by one apostle that he places it for you specifically and so the apostle in the church in which you are the army where you are is where God will give you your food and so Paul says don't pray about Peter he said he didn't say pray about John or James he said pray for me so I can have the word for you if he it's unfortunate uh, we had some churches that had joined us but then Hung, hung me upon their uh, a picture of me uh, on their wall and then started adding other so-called generals of God and then later they removed me and left the rest and so they were listening to all of these people including me but mine were contradictory to their sermons and of course there were things they weren't it was hard for them to to process and didn't want to accept and they decided that I was a heretic and removed me and and it's unfortunate but they have chosen for themselves destruction and it soon will come for them considering the importance of the discipline of praise that for the nominal part of Christians is elevated in rank to praise 
that is separated from the so-called format of worship where there is an absence of the element of holiness by offering yourself as a living sacrifice. As soon as praise is <clears throat> the format of praise is removed from the format of worship, there will not be an element of holiness there. You need to make sure that the melody and words always be worship and that in this worship you praise God. You can't have worship out of praise and praise out of worship. Worship <clears throat> is first. We In worship, we praise God. And so, when one is separate from the other, there's an absence of the element of holiness, offering yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. It is necessary for us to remember the criteria that identify the essence and status of a legitimate praise in Scripture, called to be a sign of brotherly love, the purpose that a fitting form of praise is called to fulfill, in demonstrating the power of brotherly love in our faith, the conditions that elevates our praise to a status of legitimacy, by which we can judge then that we demonstrate brotherly love in our faith, and fourth, the results by which we need to judge that praise that we bring to God possesses the status of legitimacy. And so, second question, the purpose that a fitting form of praise is called to fulfill, that is disciplined by the bridle of the fruit of gentleness called to discover itself in our faith, in the power of brotherly love, considering that seven components in the purpose of a fitting form of praise, demonstrating itself in the atmosphere of brotherly love, have already been elements of our study, we will immediately begin studying the eighth. This is called to resurrect from the dead the promises that have died within our heart, called to become the stronghold of eternal life within our body. In other words, we know many children of God, they receive the promises of God at first, and then they die in their hearts. And when they die in their hearts, they they say, well, when we pass over to the other side of the river, that's when we will obtain what we can't have here. That's actually not the case. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around. Why did the Lord bring this prophet around uh, the field of bones? Because these bones were the bones of the word of God, the bones of promises. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. And he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, You see, the Lord won't do this by himself. He will do this with us. Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. This is what God wants. Ezekiel 37, 1 through 6. Not so that we be rich just on earth and think about constantly becoming wealthy, but that we look at those bones that are scattered upon the field of our heart and we walk around them 
and we proclaim and we say bones listen to the words of God the promises that have died for me listen to the words of the Lord you shall become alive again I shall put my spirit in you I shall I will put sinews on you I will bring flesh upon you and it will be a great army within our heart upon our field when we are obeying our faith to God's faith in the information of the preached to us word of truth and we begin proclaiming the not existent promises as existent the Holy Spirit receives the proper foundation he needs to resurrect them from the dead in our bodies third question what conditions do we need to fulfill so that our praise that is disciplined by the bridle of gentleness would obtain the status of legitimacy in demonstrating the power of brotherly love in our faith to determine the sequence or order in which we can offer order in which an offering of praise needs to be brought and for what specific deeds do, do we need to thank God for so that we can confirm the salvation of our soul and for our body we will need the revelation from above and learning the statutes of the Lord that are concealed within our heart first component of the condition giving us power to the right to utter praise that is disciplined by the bridle of gentleness with which uh, which gives us the power to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith is the necessity to be taught the statutes of God governing the order of sequence when fulfilling his commandments because a statute is instruction of how to fulfill a commandment the sequence in which you need to follow it, to fulfill it, to, to, to satisfy it. My lips shall utter praise. When shall they utter praise? When you teach me your statutes. When, how does he teach statutes? By his preached word. The person whom he's placed, not just by multitude of different people, but by one person and his helpers that are in the same spirit. My tongue shall speak of your word, for all your commandments are righteous. So I shall begin to confess what's in my heart, for all of your commandments are righteousness. I will begin to proclaim your statutes, your commandments. The key to learning the strategy of praise that is disciplined by the bridle of a gentle or meek tongue in the given prayer phrase is contained in the meaning of the verb, you will teach me. You will teach me, you will send a teacher and instructor. Learn to be a student in accordance to the statutes of the Lord. Learn from the statutes of the Lord to pay the price for learning. Be accustomed to act within the boundaries of the statutes of the Lord. That is within the boundaries of the word of God that is concealed in my heart. Be instructed upon the path of the statutes of the Lord. Be prepared to fulfill the statutes of the Lord. Be taught to glorify the statutes of the Lord. If a person will not be taught the statutes that detail the order in which you need to bring your offering of praise, his offering will not be in accordance to the demands of a fitting form of praise. A prayer, a prayer cry that does not present evidence of what is being requested and where praise is not woven into the prayer request for deliverance or support will remain unanswered. Considering all of this, to comprehend the statutes that detail how we need to bring an offering of praise and how we need to watch after our own path is not simply possible by our intellect. And if a person will not understand and will not recognize this fact and does not testify about this before God, stating, Lord, send me, <clears throat> you, you need to tell God, if you're in a Babylon and 
one comes out says one thing, another comes out says something else, and you're in, that means you're in a Babylon. Are you confident that the person that is telling you something is preaching is someone that is from God, that it is God's words he's speaking? A person often will say, this is how I understand it, how this is how I think it is, or it appears to me like to be this way. And so if this is the case, why do you listen to that? Pray that God give you a person that won't say, I suspect this is this way, I'm looking to see, but he'll say this is what the Lord says, and he will show, according to Scripture, how that is and what is written, that it's written, that it's written in Scripture. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my supplication come before you. Deliver me according to your word. Psalm 119, 169, 70. In Hebrew, the verb give me understanding that is used by David regarding the legality and legitimacy of his cry before God notes the specific state of the heart of the one asking, as well as specific components of what is being asked. This verb in Hebrew includes 12 different meanings that flow one from the other, completing one the other, and identifying one the other. And so giving me understanding means to test and understand the will of God. That is, give me understanding, God will give understanding and give you the ability that you test God's will. This doesn't mean that he created Adam and he told him I want to see how you will name now everything I've created give a name to everything that I've created on earth all all animals all all birds all I want to see God gave him this understanding and he needs to now do what he needs to test Think deeply about the mystery of the concealed word. When we deeply think about the mystery of the concealed word, then it is revealed. Allow God to pass on his understanding. And for this, you need to be ready to listen, to be prepared to listen. Obtain the ability to differentiate good and evil. And this is only when we are grown into full measure of growth. When we are being nourished by a curds and honey of a supernatural form so we can reject the evil and choose the good be ready to attend to the word of God prepare your heart to listen to be instructed upon the path of righteousness consider what has passed and link it to the future to be given understanding about the signs and the times to be taught how to care about and take care of the received word Obtain wisdom after the reason of what has happened is explained. To behave reasonably and to act wisely. Be capable of expanding your uh, your boundaries of or the boundaries of your inheritance. This is what David was asking for. Give me understanding according to your word. Because of such a collaboration with the statutes of God, God was able to bring God to bring David an offering or David was able to bring God an offering of praise where he magnified the word of God in the aspect of the law of sin and death that was within his body. Relevant to this, I will remind us that unfettered or unrestrained emotions in our service to God, however blessed it may look in our eyes, first, it cannot be a standard by which you can measure 
your spirituality or a standard by which you can determine that you are bearing fruits of your spirit. This unfettered or unrestrained emotions, uh, especially this is not a, a way of measuring your spirituality or level of spirituality. If you are not dancing and, and jumping, they say something's not quite right spiritually with you. First, if our prayer praise and prayer is not founded upon and is not controlled by the truth of the written word, it is immediately converted into a curse expressed in arrogance, indecency, and promiscuousness. To bring an offering of praise within the order of the existing statutes, we need to continually keep, keep watch of the bond that exists between our praise and the statutes. The statutes, again, are a, a, an instructional on how to fulfill God's commandments. <clears throat> According to the Jewish version of Strong, I will remind us once more of the word praise when it comes to the statutes of God, which includes various definition defining components. <clears throat> and so praise is an account of acts that have been done by God, declaring the glory of God that is contained in his statutes. And this is only possible if these statutes are in my heart. I can't declare the glory of God that when the statutes are written in the Bible, it's only when they're written in my heart, a demonstration of virtues that the statutes of God possess. And this is when the statutes are in my heart, honoring the word of God that is contained within his statutes that are within my heart. The praise of wisdom that is contained in the statutes of God, and we're talking again about our heart, a praise hymn of the word of God that is reflected in his statutes that are concealed in our heart, the demonstration of the power of God that comes from the statutes of God that are contained in our heart. The purpose of praise consists in activation and proclamation of the treasure that is concealed within our heart in the statutes of God from the invisible realm into the visible realm. And such a transformation is called by God to come to pass by the confessions of what is the faith of our heart, which is noted by the phrase, my lips shall utter praise when you teach me your statutes. And he teaches us by someone how do we preach if you're not sent? A person needs to be delegated for this. He needs to be sent. And he will have the seed. He will have the ability to take this seed and water with the seed. Or my lips shall utter praise when your statutes will abide within my heart and will become and become the possession or property of my heart. I will remind us that the phrase, my lips shall utter praise after you will teach me your statutes, means. And so when I studied this, there are a lot of different uh, components uh, of, 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 of what this means. You, it will flow as a stream or will be a spring of life. My lips shall flow as a stream or will be a spring of life. Will be a flowing current in the direction of your heart. Will bring out what is precious from the foundation of the world. Will proclaim your liberty. Will confirm your commandments. Will walk around the inheritance that is established by you. Will act according to the requirements of your statutes will proclaim life that is contained in your statutes, will continue 
a dialogue with you that is founded upon your statutes will behave being inspired or impacted by the power of your statutes. I will communicate with my heart and the Lord. The Lord and I will have a dialogue. and will again behave being inspired or impacted by the power of his statutes. These components contain the components of the price for the right to utter a fitting form of praise that is able to flow streams of life from our heart in the direction of the heart of God. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. For all of the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him amen to the glory of God through us. <clears throat> Proverbs 3.1.2 and 2 Corinthians 1.20 And so it is necessary to be a student of your father, a son. You need to humble yourself before his words. Second component of the condition, giving us power to have the right to utter praise that is disciplined by the bridle of gentleness with which gives us the power to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith is the requirement by the cross of the Lord Jesus to be separated from your nation, the house of your father, and from your life in the flesh. We hear this much, but we will remind us of it. Listen, O daughter, consider and incline your ear. Forget your own people also and your father's house, so the king will greatly desire your beauty because he is your Lord. Worship him. Psalm 45, 10, 11. <clears throat> Take note of four words here. Hear, consider, incline, and forget. First, fulfilling these four requirements with the collaboration of our cross with the cross of Christ elevates our praise to a status of legitimacy, which gives us power to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith. Second, fulfilling these four requirements with the collaboration of our cross with the cross of Christ gives us the ability to die by the law for the law so we can live for God so that we can give Christ the ability to live within our heart. For I through the law died to the law that I might give that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Galatians 2.19.20 Fulfilling these four requirements with the collaboration of our cross with the cross of Christ abolishes the power of the old man over our soul and over our body and gives us the ability to become free from the law of marriage. Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law, so that she is no adulteress though she has married another man. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. We died for the law that discover sin gives power to sin, and governing governing sin is our husband, because... And we die to this law that gave power to him and gives power to him. And so when we die, we submerge ourselves entirely. And when we submerge ourselves, then sin there was destroyed. And when we rose, we arose already without him. We rise without this old person, without his authority, without the authority of sin. 
third component of the condition giving us power to, to have the right to utter praise that is disciplined by the bridle of gentleness which gives us the power to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith is the necessity to love righteousness and its carriers and hate lawlessness and the carriers of this lawlessness. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. You love righteousness and hate lo- and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Psalm 45, 6, 7. We need to not forget that both the love of God as well as His anger exist within the hun- within the boundaries of His words, w- which come out of His mouth. God's love is within the boundaries of His word, and His anger is also within the boundaries of His word. The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence His soul hates. Upon the wicked He will rain coals, fire, and brimstone, and a burning wind shall be the, cor- the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous, he loves righteousness, his countenance beholds the upright. Psalm 11, 5-7, in the original it says the, his countenance, <clears throat> he is attracted by the righteous, he falls in love with the face of the righteous. And the face of the righteous obviously means the obedience of this person to his faith. Fourth component of the condition giving us power to have the right to utter praise that is disciplined by the bridle of gentleness, which gives us the power to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith, is the necessity to pay the price so that you can clothe yourself into the righteousness of faith, Romans 4:13 and lower. For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if there, <clears throat> if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. Because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God who gives life to the dead and caused those things that which do not exist as though they did who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weakened in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was able to perform. <clears throat> and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness that was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him but also for us it shall be imputed to us who believe in him who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification Romans 4:13 through 25 The righteousness of our faith consists in the obedience of our faith to the faith of God, where we first count ourselves dead to sin, living for God, proclaiming the non-existent promise of governance of the earth of our body as existence. Second, proclaiming the non-existent promise about reproducing ourselves in the fruit of our spirit, looking at the stars on the canvas of our sky and the sand upon the beach of our sea. Only then will we be able to inherit this peace that God has made with Abraham. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me, 
sing I go childless, and the heir of my house as Eleazar of Damascus. This is a symbol, the one that is an heir of his house. Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring, indeed one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. He didn't say, Well, how is this? I'm, I'm, I'm old and I can't. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit. He became righteous because he believed and began to live and, and behave according to what he's believed. And he said, Lord God, how shall uh, how shall I know that I will inherit? So he said to him, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat. How, as he's asking here, how will I know that I will inherit my body, that I will be able to govern over my body and that my body will put on the resurrection of Christ, my new person, how will I know this? And so, bring the three-year-old heifer, three-year-old female goat, and three-year-old ram, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. Then he brought all these to him and cut them in two down the, the middle and placed each piece opposite to the other, but he did not cut the birds in two. And when the vultures came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. These uh, vultures are thoughts. Is this correct? Nothing is happening. Maybe I'm make making a mistake. Now when uh, then uh, Abram drove them away, now when the sun was g going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, horror and great dar darkness fell upon him. Then he, he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs. There are many, but they will end up in a, in a different land. They will serve them, and they will afflict them four hundred years. And also the nation whom they serve I will judge. Afterwards they will come out with great possessions. Now, as for you, you will shall go. You, you shall go to your fathers in peace. We will come out of this great trial with great possession. You shall be buried at a good old age. But in the fourth generation, they shall return here, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet completed. And it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. On the same day the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying to your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river of the river Euphrates. Genesis 15 1 through 18. Amen. Let us bend our knees and our heads and pray. May the Lord bless us in this worship and all those who desire to receive freedom from governing sin be liberated from the shackle of sins the shackles of sin uh, and we wait for you here at the altar and anyone who has fear whatever form of fear it may be poverty illness untimely death fear of losing your husband wife children car house possessions because today 
the events that are taking place, people are becoming afraid. Will the devaluation de of the dollar happen? How will we live? Where do we invest? What? How do we need to make keep ourselves safe? In our heart, we have a great wealth. When the system of the world will be completely destroyed and it will not be able to do what it is, and money in the bank will not be able to do anything, because people, because government will become fools then we will be given the wisdom of Joseph and the power will be given to you. That doesn't mean we will take them by force. They themselves will bring us and say, take and take, come in and take control. And so the, this is the bride that will be in the new body before she will be raptured. She will control all of the banks of the world. And the means will be uh, pretty much uh, controlled will the decisions that will be made uh, and we will be able to show the people who the Lord is and who his nation who the nation what the nation is for the Lord let us pray I'm going to be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God is on your side he is not against you he has loved you with an eternal love he will not give you if or abandon your way or abandon you if you don't abandon him he will hold you by the hand unless you yourself let go of him but you have come here to hold his hand tightly although you fall and have fallen many times he says you are righteous because this righteousness that you received is not what you've earned but what Christ has earned he has given us the work of his redemption and so the righteous will fall seven times but rise again right now you stand before God close your eyes before him lift your hands to him this is a sign that your hands are without wrath or doubt pray together with me Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you. I open up my heart so that you can see the pain of my heart, the wounds that are inflicted by sin. You see how it is bleeding, and I am dying from this pain. I ask you, be merciful to me. Save my life so that 
There may be resurrection in me. Drive out the sin that I hate, that I can't be become free of by myself. I trust you. I trust my heart to you, my body, my soul. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with his great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May the blessings of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills be on you. May this be upon you and upon your children and be fulfilled upon you. And the nation shall say, Amen. Blessed is the Lord who has confirmed His righteousness in our heart and that we have boldness and confidence that we resist sin and we come to the altar. Every time you come out here to the altar, the heavens are rejoicing and hell is ashamed. We rejoice seeing the saints that can see their sin, not hide it, but reveal it and want to become free of it. And the day shall come when you will truly be free. But right now you need to already, as Abraham, count yourself free. Count yourself dead to sin and living for the Lord. Proclaim and confess within your prayers, within your mind, when you're driving, when you're working, doing something, always say, Lord, thank you that you have freed me from governing sin in my body. Thank you that you have delivered me from the genetical inheritance and code from my fathers, that you have erected the stronghold of life within me, that you have clothed my body into the stronghold of incorruption. I always think about this. I always pray about this. When I do something constantly, I wake up, I go to uh, before bed, I say this in my heart, and I always and I calm my emotions and feelings and say, calm down, all this will pass. All this will pass. May the Lord bless you. Let us proclaim our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen.